Welcome to Creative Labs by Alchemy, a podcast from alchemymerch.com that explores the lives of creators and their experiences bringing their art to the marketplace. Hosted by Greg Kerr. All right, welcome to Creative Labs. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm here today with John and Lauren from the Roving House. We've been working with them since uh, early 2019, and I've always been fascinated by everything they do. They've created this enormous Facebook group uh, with the Roving House, and just really excited to talk to them, and they just continue to crush it with everything they do and make so much product, and I'm just excited to find out more about what it is. So welcome, guys. Uh, can you explain, you know, what is the basis of the roving house for anybody that doesn't know? Well, um, I think we started in 2008 or nine as just recording Lauren and I's um, travels um, with busking and playing improv music and putting those on CDs that we hand-painted and numbered and sold out of backpacks and while traveling. And then um, moved into T-shirts that we also sold out of backpacks while traveling, various festivals. Um, And that was a grind. It was a... um, it was a real schlub. It was, you know, rewarding and fun, but it's very hard to make all of your sales face to face while carrying all of your product on your back. Um, hence yeah. the <laughs> snail with a with a bindle logo. That was us, yes. And the uh, yeah. name, but it since evolved, and we spent um, several years really cultivating um, various Facebook groups and communities, uh, all kinds of them. And then kind of after the community started to blossom and, you know, flourish into what they became, marketing them with merchandise that fit the various descriptions uh, and, and, um, interests of those, you know, various groups. So this was all born out of initially a music project. Yeah. You guys were going around and is that, cause I noticed the, the Facebook page started and I think what 2011. Yeah. Um, that was, that was um, before that we even, we had like a, like a profile page or something that was like a website. Us, a website yeah. And a blog and stuff like that. And, and like, while we we're doing all that, we had our notebooks with us and we were always kind of like drawing together and trying to make each other laugh with our pictures. <laughs> um, that was like a big thing of what we did back then. So the so blog- how does, how does that go from, you know, you're doing your music. I, I come from a touring background myself you know, and know that slog, my first business actually started making merchandise for our own band. Um, and how does that turn into, you know, was the Facebook group people that were coming to you that were like, they're following the music that you were doing? Um, because, you know, at this point, the roving house is just this like massive machine. And it's, yes. you know, it's a huge online community. And how do you get from, 
the band stuff, you know, was the community built from that and then it kind of expanded or how, how does that, how did it transition kind of? Completely unrelated. The online communities were all John's ideas and just little things like he kind of threw against the wall, like spaghetti and just see what stick and what people are interested in. Um, The original band and like, CDs and art and t-shirts had really nothing to do with it. It's just that we are the roving house. So whatever we're doing, we were, we were always just making stuff. Well, it did have something to do with it in the sense that it wasn't as realistic if we wanted to turn the roving house into a real job for us to you know, wait for the next festival and then go out and do it again. So I said, well, let's create the audience and the entertainment aspect of it. And then when we have the captive audience, then we can sell the products. And it took several years before we even started that. So the first pin that we created, and it it I it took a lot of convincing for I felt for to be like, you know, like like make a product, make a product, and like the blue pin showing you on the phone there. Oh, uh, the blue design was we had a group called Give Me Your Money, and it's a peer to peer mutual aid lending group. Um, which you know, I need ten dollars for pizza, and people will donate small increments, and then people will be able to buy pizza. And I said, let's create a pin for it and it took a few months for that to sell out we pre-sold it for ten dollars and it's funny because when when the shipment came in we weren't we didn't go through you guys yet so it took a while for the shipment to come in but when it did come in i held the bag to learn i said one day one of these pins will sell for a thousand dollars i believe in her art i think she's a she's like my favorite artist I really believed in it and I still believe in it. And exactly a year from that day, that pin was going in the, it fluctuates um, generally above the thousand dollar mark, but exactly a year from the day that pin sold for one pin sold for $2,000. That is totally crazy. (laughs) We don't resell those. That's just, you know, in the group, that's what happens. So. So did the, you know, I noticed the give me your money group, I think has what, like 25,000 people or so. Oh, hard 25. I was, I was close off by a hundred thousand. Yeah. So what is that? What is that group? Like, what's the, you know, I know you said it's kind of like a peer to peer, um, you know, people can say like, Hey, I'm, I'm short on money for something or a bill or whatever it is. So how does that idea come about to try and make a Facebook group that is, you know, really community-based and trying to offer help to people. Like, how does that, how does that come about and, and, and grow? That group kind of evolved. It's kind of like shed its skin a few times and changed. It was originally um, kind of like a joke group where we have another group called Sad Stales, Stolen Goods and Sketchy Services, which is just really weird, bizarre stuff from Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> Everything. Everything. <laughs> Stuff. And then give me your money was kind of like a side group to that. There was like post specifically like scams and people being thrifty and weird online. But the, the 
title of the group made it so that people were joining and just being like, can I get money? Give me, yeah, give me money. <laughs> In the rules of the group, it always said you could always ask for money. Yeah, I just and so you it just start that in a vacuum. You couldn't just be like, let's just have a place where people ask for money because the first few hundred people, it's just, it's just an awkward. So you start with humor and when it builds and people start asking for money, that's fine. That's it goes. And now it's just changed into that pretty much entirely. Yeah, we actually had to make another humor group out of that call money now because people were no longer happy with or tolerating like joke posts in there. So we had to like move the humor completely to another space. It's just, it's like they, they're like plants, these groups, they just grow and sometimes they have to split off and do separate things. And a lot of, and is, is that group is I, you know, I noticed you obviously have to like ask to join. I saw the rules that are posted there Um, is so that's a closed group, but, but is that some kind of, is there any kind of monetization on your side as, cause you guys have to moderate this. I imagine like crazy do yeah. that stuff. Is that sort of like an arm of the business or is that more of a, just the community, you know, it obviously helps build the brand uh, kind of uh, whether that was like intended or not, that, that helps bring that up. But is that, how does it kind of function within the group? If people are sending payments, are they kind of just doing it through each other? Do they have to process through something and you guys filter it? Peer to peer. So like um, everybody's using cash app, PayPal or whatever. And we're not, we're not processing any of that. Okay. It's just, it's basically like a, we have a format to post and people, you know, send and donate how they can. And um, where we are working on an app um, that's in beta right now where um, it just kind of like cuts the fat and cuts the, um, the uh, un necessary and burdensome parts of um facebook that that makes the group kind of awkward or unusable or or difficult like um for example facebook's really paranoid about pictures of medication so if somebody says like i need my pills and they post that facebook might flag them for like medication sales (laughs) okay yeah yeah it's such a big beast that um that there's a lot um, that's that's awkward. So we're working on um, a completely different social networking platform that's specifically for peer-to-peer donations, like smaller than GoFundMe stuff. Like GoFundMe is desca- described itself as like for life's milestones, like graduations, uh, houses, businesses, deaths, accidents, things like that. And this is like, you know, smaller things like that, more like what John said, like pizza. But to answer the question, it is its own registered. Give me your money oh, yeah. is its own registered business. It's its own LLC. There is certain things that you can pay for through the, the web. You can be sell. Um, give me your money branded pins, stickers. There's a there's a side group that's like just pretty much a community that is um, an extra paid thing to be a part of. There's you know completely voluntary. Um, but it is it is its own business. And those expenses that we, or those, um, the money that we make through that goes to the app. And it's customary in the group. It's not required, but it's customary in the group that people will tip the moderators. So they, and that, that doesn't go to us, it's directly to the moderators. And there's a, um, 
there's a collection fund, a pay, uh, like a PayPal pool that gets divided up amongst the moderators as well. Again, we don't touch that. It's just kind of um, it keeps to help, the machine running. Yeah, to keep that sustainable while we transition to its own app. And hopefully that becomes successful and helps a lot of people. When every nonprofit still people have to get paid, you know, the employees yeah, yeah. are the people they're doing their, their time, they're putting in the time, the people that work there, they still, you know, have to be compensated, not, you know, in any kind of like egregious way or anything, you know, but um, you guys have moderators are spending a ton of time. I imagine. Oh, yes. they are like on their all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, Crazy. With a group that huge, you know, I mean, have there been any kind of moments or things that have happened on there that have really just had a, a major impact on you, you know, where you're seeing like saying somebody saying like, hey, I can't afford my medication. And this group that you, you've created is is helping people, you know, like, is it, I imagine the satisfaction kind of just of even being I don't want to say on the sidelines, but like watching all of this happen as something that you created, it's got to be really fulfilling. Oh, um, totally. Have there been some moments where just things have just completely blown you out of the water, what people are doing for each other? Yeah, the water project. The water project was a huge one. Um, there was a woman from the Philippines who um, he was asking for things like, I don't want a birthday cake for my daughter. I want, you know, uh, maybe I can get some food. Hey, can you help me buy some products? And as the group got to know her more, it was like, well, there's not really clean water. She's from the Philippines, small village. There's not really clean water in this village. So we teamed up with um, Clean Water International. Clean Water International, one of the groups that we donate to monthly, and they helped um, put several biosand uh, water filtration systems in the village. So now the village has clean water. Yeah, it's um, really cool. It was a, uh, it was quite the like the project yeah they raised on um, they dug a like a well for the village and then the, the village and then the school at the bottom of the village the elementary school has like all these biosand filters so it's just you know if you live somewhere where the water is contaminated you literally just like take the water and you dump it into the top of this barrel and it just filters down and it comes out completely clean and safe like without needing electricity or um to replace filters or anything like that and that's a big project yeah that was big yeah yeah there's plenty of like and we made a pin for it um you know hey buy this pin the profits are going to this yeah uh we work with a um a reparations group that started as a offshoot of this it's pretty much operates exactly the same way as giving you money except for it benefits um it, it prioritizes the needs of people of color. And a lot of our pins that we make um, or several pins that we have made have gone directly to there. They do toy drives, coat drives, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And while there's been plenty of larger things like that, you know, I need a people that, you know, living out of their car or something and they've been given enough to get an apartment, but it, it's really just mm-hmm. the, everyday small stuff where people just help each other get fed, get clothed, dance around the rules and help get medication if they're able to word their need in such a way that we don't think it's going to get flagged by Facebook. We have to be very strict about it. We did lose the group at 35,000 people once. We built it back up, you know, to substantially larger than that. Mm -hmm. But we have to pretend 
like Facebook is viewing everything as if it's a sale because there's no back and forth with Facebook there, like on how, you know, Hey, this isn't a sale. They're looking for the money for this, you know, cancer medication. We have to pretend like they think they're selling cancer medications. Yeah. I mean, Facebook's so strict with everything. I mean, we can't even, I have such a hard time if I try and run a, ad saying that you can make a custom mask. They're like, you're selling that, you know, you can't sell these. Yeah. Can't sell. It's like, okay, we're not trying to sell PPP, you know, like they're, I understand they're so strict. I didn't even think about that within a closed group, how much is really, they're yeah. really still yeah. moderating and, and like seeing this stuff. And I imagine it's just the algorithms, like said, it sees a of medication and flags it. And there's yeah. no communication there. You no communication worth speaking of just to, to say no look here's the nuance they're not selling medication they're asking for it yeah. there's you know facebook is you know the wizard of oz in that regard there's no <laughs> there's just is what they say what they, or what they do they don't even say it, they do it and so then you guys are you know because obviously facebook is such a huge marketplace in general of people you know, to pull from that helped to build up the community. And now with doing this app, like, so this is your way, a way to kind of shift away from all of Facebook's restrictions and things you guys have built the community and the app, obviously, you know, the app stores, there's massive potential, you know, chance yeah. for, for reaching out to people there. Um, yeah. And the Facebook group can still be used to say, Hey, go download the app. Sure. Yeah. You know, again, like Facebook doesn't want other apps promoted. If you like really look at their terms of service, which we have, like you're not supposed to Netflix can't advertise Netflix on Facebook. And if you look at Netflix's page, it's just like screenshots and little video clips of like things on Netflix, but they can't say anywhere like go sign up for Netflix. That's so interesting. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I haven't, you know, back in kind of my earlier brand days, um, Facebook was, you know, everything in 2010, probably around that time or whenever, when I was 2012, um, you know, build up the huge Facebook community. They changed the algorithms. All of a sudden, you know, you do, I'm sure you remember back then you do a post and it went from like everybody who followed your page saw it all the way down to there are like 10 people saw it pay to promote this post, you know? Um, So I can see wanting to shift away from that. And then how does, you know, so you do these pins, you start seeing there's people who are into them. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm constantly impressed by what the amount of different designs that you guys do. Like, um, and then with the roving house, you know, I see stuff selling out, you know, that you, you put up these pins in there, they're just gone immediately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I even saw that there's like a buy, sell trade group, you know, now that, it, so that is that basically people that just have stuff that you guys have made that are, it's just a group for them to trade amongst each other, buy, sell, and kind of collect. Yeah, it just started like as like a the group, you know, just started as like a hey, this is um, instead of just using the groups that we have to advertise. It's like a here's what we're doing. You if you do you sell your stuff, you know, there's rules. You got to write, you know, put your name and date on a piece of paper, um, and in with the picture of the the item but yeah we've you know people come people go some people stay some people try to be completionists and collect it all um we have a um we have a side group that is a 
subscription group. Whereas we, so we do what two pins a year mm -hmm. and free stickers, multiple a month. And for $10, you can get 24 hour, like head start on anything that we sell. And um, a couple of free, uh, pretty substantial pins, like, you know, like some of the yeah. bigger ones that so we've done. So this is the gold group. And what we do is we do two pins a year. It's for $10 a month, two pins a year, free stickers during every drop. And then sometimes randomly too. Um, we have a welcome kit, which is uh, jewelry handling gloves with the mm -hmm. snails on them for oh, nice. and some um, stickers. Uh, All kinds of contests and giveaways. Yeah. We give away one of pretty much everything that we make mm -hmm. yeah, um, in the gold group. And, and then also you can request for that 24 hour advance drop. You can request a number on the back of the pin. So okay. you know, most of the stuff we do is numbered. That, that, yeah. that, that numbering the pins, putting them on numbered cards, hand stamping the cards, and then getting the number request adds more time to this process of actually packing than anything else mm -hmm. by far and away. But People love it. You know, if someone yeah. collects number 35, if they can get 35 consistently, they're happy. They're happy. And it's cool. Yeah. It's it's nice. You know, people are really into numbers. Um, I have all of number one, and Lauren has all of number two and number 108. And, you know, so we collect the numbers too in that regard. Yeah. So is this a Misfits thing or uh, you know, for the 108? 138. No, that's 138. Oh, 138. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 108, 108 was a, a hardcore band. Um, yeah. Uh, one of my, one of my friends was in it. Um, it's a, it's a, um, a Hare Krishna thing. Yeah. Krishna. Okay. All right. I'm, yeah. I'm throwing out 130. I'm getting my old hardcore bands mixed up and stuff. Um, so how, you know, with the pins, you're doing those, they're going pretty well. Was it when you started numbering them that you started seeing like, Oh man, people were really getting into this. Or was it a, a slow build? Kind of, you put one out. Like I said, that first one, it took a little bit to to sell through, and it just kind of kept on going a little bit because you guys constantly have tons of stuff. You know, there's five, six things in just on a pin front. You know that that, that we might see. You know, and the third or fourth pin, it decided to pick up steam. Yeah, people started. It took it took a few months for just even the second. And the Vanessa one. Vanessa and was the, the second third one. Year. It took yeah. a little bit. What happened actually was, and this was before we started going to you, we ordered one of the pins as like 200 or something like that. But we only got a hundred of them. Mm -hmm. And when it was just like, oh, this is like way more like limited, it, and it sold out like immediately. That's when it that's when it started to, to snowball a little yeah. bit. Totally. Some and, accidental and, scarcity. Well, I follow the, the hardcore, you know, the seven inch and the, and the uh, LP model for all of this is just like, keep scarce. If you have to change something, if you have to reissue something, just change the color. You know, if you number it, it's, it's, it's tried and true. Like, I mean, there's hardcore records and punk records that, you know, there's only this much. And those records sell for thousands and thousands of dollars like that that floor punch Chung King record, half of them were destroyed and right. that would exist only exists. And those records go for thousands of dollars, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I almost fell down that rabbit hole of like collecting old punk vinyl. And I'm like, do I really need like a first pressing gorilla biscuit seven inch? Like I probably don't, you know, I, yeah. my sense of nostalgia didn't like 
I don't know. At some point I, I kind of stopped. I had my certain stuff and then I think I started selling a bunch of records. Um, but at one point, yeah, just even this is going back quite a while, but it was like a first pressing at the drive-in, you know, seven inch I'd gotten at a show and it was like, forget sold for like 500 bucks at the time, whatever it was. I'm like, Oh shit, I should sell some of my vinyl, you know, like instead of collecting, I don't know. I don't know why, but I grew up in, in the hardcore scene and, and all around that. Is that kind of, with you guys with music, because I, you know, there's definitely a through line. I noticed the Food Not Bombs listed on there, and that brought me back to, I feel like so many old punk shows were, you know, all the money was going to Food Not Bombs, you know, and things like that. Is that where you kind of came up in and like the Northeast kind of hardcore scene in general? He did. Oh. And I was, um, I was in Western Mass for a while. Um, we're both from Massachusetts, Eastern Massachusetts. And then I moved out to Portland for years and I was kind of in um not like a not like a punk rock hardcore scene but uh, the vegan subculture over there was um like really starting to grow and blow up and um that would be my first contact with food not bombs I think and then yeah they, they were just they're just all over the place and if you know them you you've probably had like a a meal that felt like magic at one right. point but yeah punk rock indie rock uh hardcore i that that's who that's what i did when i was younger and that's who i still to all my good friends that's who i still talk to i have a hard time even finding that i even relate to people who didn't come up through punk rock and hardcore i mean <laughs> I, I do and can interface with you know from a park bench to park avenue anyone in the world but I really truly think well, I'll always have a hard time like actually clicking and relating to people who didn't come up through punk rock and hardcore. Yeah, I mean, I definitely pick up and notice and talk to you guys. There's like a punk ethos kind of like there, and a, there's this kind of joke. I mean, I'm I'm 41. There's like the Fugazi effect kind of joke about that. It's like people kind of like my age bracket that have become business owners. We still have this kind of like punk ethics, you know, to us about like how we do everything, how we go about everything, how we run our businesses, how like all of that. Um, I definitely <clears throat> can pick up that vibe from you guys. Um, so, you know, like as the project is kind of picking up is the roving house. And like I said, I know I see, at least I see things coming for different stuff. Um, at what point now, like is, is the roving house, this is your full, I, I imagine time-wise, no matter what, but this is your full-time gig. We're doing, you know, sales of the pins, I saw you've got the um, like the bags, the totes with the window online, and I know you do patches and lots of other stuff. Um, you know, at what point did it turn into, hey, this is our full time gig? About a year ago. No. Um, Longer? Yeah, like August 2018. Yeah. August, September 2018, 19, basically. Uh, 2018, yeah. Definitely. Just a few months before we started um, getting our stuff through you, which you said was early 2019. I think I tried looking up because the proofs are numbered based off of the year and then the month. And I so think, I saw, you know what, I might be a little off, but it was blue was two years ago. No, at least. I'm going to grab that bag that you mentioned because that's our most ambitious <laughs> right, project. Um, it was at least two years ago. I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019. You know how it all like, 
like by the time you're thirties, forties, like it all just, I couldn't remember how old I was um, when I went to get my vaccine the other day. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember it. And then I thought about it. And then I realized after I wrote it down, I got it wrong. Um, it all just kind of blends in. But at some point, yeah, we just decided that we were going to do this full time and like fully commit to it. And we do We just get up every morning and just like hit the ground running until I can't stand to look at a screen anymore. <laughs> and then we like, just, you know, unwind and watch TV or movies. And then we just do it all over again. Yeah. I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. No. I just love it. So, so he's really proud of this. This is, he had his friend, um, Eric Santiago um, from studio Santiago in LA designed this with him for, um, yeah. for a present for me. It took about a year to, to from, from, the, from talk to completion. It's, the Ida bag is like, you know, like the style of it, but um, this is completely, you know, designed and, and made by um, Eric. And from, you know, what I thought I wanted, this is a prototype, but it's the, we call it the rover bag. And, you know, you, you got a thing to protect your pin there, the plastic, it's, it's boat window um, plastic. And then this comes down so you can, Put all your pins in there and this stays oh, in there. Nice. Then there's a this is a prototype, but in the actual bag, there's a pocket in there for your phone. It's in there and yeah. there's another pocket, yeah. there, hidden pocket. Then there's another other more pockets in there. It's designed to fit, you know, a stack of records and keep all your pins safe. It's um our most expensive product, but it's handmade in Los Angeles. Um we just didn't want to go to China with this one, you know, we could have, and we just wanted to. To just as for when you when you get into cut and sew type stuff, like actually designing the piece and and having it manufactured, it just we wanted to take you know keep it in the U.S. and him and I wanted it to be as um, as minimal and unisex and unisex and something that like anyone could wear and then turn into what you know like have the style be in what they choose to put on it and the, have the bag be a functional um, sleek canvas for what, you know, what you wanted to display on it. But this is, I, I, I am proud of this piece yeah. and um, hopefully we can get more of them out there. Yeah. yeah. I like that you guys actively thought about, can I put records in here? You yeah. know, when you're thinking about the size, <laughs> um, you know, and the thing is too, when you make those four inch pins, five inch pins, you know, normally it exists on somebody's pin board. Like not, yeah. it's not really wearable. It's collectible, but it's not wearable. And with the bag. Yeah. yeah. I saw, yeah, there's huge ones. You can add, there's actually a use for them to be able to like cruise around except for just totally. collecting all, them, you know? All three of these pins are, um, this pin, this pin, then this pin, and this pin, uh, the, and the three big ones are all um, the, the free pin. Well, not free, but like they—they they are technically the the free pins from the uh, the gold group. The from only the gold group, yeah. pins is to have been in the gold group for I think eighteen months. Eighteen months, eighteen months. This is the first eighteen month, eighteen months. This is people who were there for two years, and. Um, we're almost out of these guys, but you know what's coming next. Yeah. Yeah. It those are those are really fun to do. 
with getting into kind of the cut and sew aspect of it, I mean, at one time I looked into doing an upscale menswear line a long time ago, got patterns made, sourced fabrics to do it all in downtown LA, all that kind of stuff. And it can get crazy complicated, but it's really fulfilling when it comes through. After doing this project, do you see going into, you know, like taking the roving house and taking the overall brand continuing on that path and trying to do more just because that's a full on completely customized product. There's one thing you make a pin, you send a design, it's, you know, a, a certain kind of product, but that's a ground up design, yeah. everything kind of thing. Do you see looking to do more things like that in the future? I'd love to. Yeah, totally. It's yeah, you're right. It's a different type of thing. I was thinking today about how um, the pins have kind of taught me and a lot of, a lot of the stuff that we make, it kind of taught me that like, once you draw it and send it in, it's really just out of your control. Right. We obviously love working with you guys and the um, production house that you work with um, is awesome. Like they, the pins that we get back consistently feel so much better than the pins that we usually get. Like um, when he gets a record or something and he grabs oh, the store. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that is true. like every pin that I, you know, I don't really want to say like the bands because you don't want to, you know, slag the band, but you order the pin that comes to them. It just comes in a little drug bag and (laughs) it's just, it's just like playing. Um, Yeah. It's, it, 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 to take a little bit of time with that type of care is I think a crucial step that, that was the first iteration of the bag, but it was, it wasn't until the third iteration of the bag that it was like, okay, this is the bag that we'll put in production. Yeah, it's really challenging with production. I think a lot of people don't really understand, especially with something like pins or patches or things like that. More so pins because, you know, a patch is made on a machine. You know, mm-hmm. you, you get the, the designs there, you do it, you see a test of it, you go, cool, that's good. Then it's just machine time. You know, mm-hmm. a pin outside of the cutting of the mold, every single step essentially is hand done. You know, there maybe the inking on some soft enamel might go on a machine kind of depends on, you know, the machines are usually used more for higher runs because at the, you know, by the time you do setup, you want to be able to have enough to, to kind of justify that. So the majority of the pins and all hard enamel are all inked by hand, you know, it's like every step of that thing. And, you know, we deal with a lot of people that just like, do not understand that, like, you know, things are going to come up. There's going to be problems here and there. Yeah. There's going to be stuff that slips through. That's just sort of part of it. You know, like uh, our hope or our goal is to try and fix it, you know, or say like, okay, you great. You, how you can we try to do that? You know, you're, you're good at it. If we're, we say, can we live with this? Oftentimes it's yes. If it's no, we've never had like a, Oh well, are you sure? From you guys, it's just like okay, we'll get that fixed. And and yeah. we, I truly appreciate that aspect yeah. of this. I really like right. truly. Um, with the first manufacturer that we went through, it was like, can we live with this? All right, no. Well, that's just the way it is. You know, sometimes <laughs> like oh, that's just not good enough. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, you know, it's and it's tough. And when we notice too, the more the longer somebody's been making products, and I would say products in general, you know, merchandise, the more kind of understanding or of, of the process and things they become. And and so, you know, for instance, you know, I know the volume of things, number of products that you guys make. And if you say, hey, this is messed up, 
it's not like you're saying it on every single thing, you know, like if you're saying that this, there's something wrong, yes. it just needs to get made, you know, like there, there doesn't need to be questions about it outside of, well, Hey, what makes more sense for you? You know, and you guys do a lot of numbered stuff. So it's really challenging to remake a number yeah. design to be like, okay, we need 43, uh, yeah. 107, yeah. you know, and it's just, uh, it's just a mess. And I, I guess going back to kind of the community building, so I don't get in trouble with my employees. Um, you know, what are some kind of like best practices that you guys have found for helping to, you know, build up this community, keep the community active and keeping the community engaged on a, you know, on a constant basis? Like what are some tools and things that you guys do? Well, people love chats. They, they love chats. We have to, um, the give me your money, the Lux group, which is one of the side groups we have to, um, and then the roving house goal, we have uh, chats set up for people to join. And you wouldn't believe how simple it is and how effective it is in getting people to kind of make friends and, and really make connections with other people and kind of find more of a, a meaning just when they're chatting in real time about their day-to-day life. So like the roving house goal group, they're not always talking about roving house products. They're like, this is what my dog is doing. Mm-hmm you know, this is what my kids are doing and Hey, we're working on the garden today. And just to be able to have a little bit of that, bit of that, especially the last year when everybody's so isolated has been um, really important. We do, um, we do contests from time to time. Um, we've been doing a lot with um, trying to engage people with uh, the beta testing of giving your money, the new website. Um, we do lots of giveaways We've done lots of live um, charity auctions, which is just we'll have like an unusual or a rare or or a cool misprint pin or test press or whatever it is. Um, And it'll be like, okay, the winner is a live auction. The winner is going to donate directly to, you know, whatever the charity is today. So the winner gets the pin and they get to like make the tax donation to whatever charity it is. Those are really big. People really enjoy um, taking part in those. What else do you think? I I would say that keep it in mind that the product is a part of it, but it's not the primary part. The community and creating and fostering a place where people can actually meet, maintain, cultivate friendships um, and have a place where they can share of themselves and meet other people, whether like-minded or different and come together and have that space and maintain it. Even in the face of adversity from online trolls, from whatever it is. And just maintain that space and share of yourself in it. Don't be afraid to be, even vulnerable in it to some degree while not, you know, overly um, exposing yourself because there is, there, there is just that need for, I mean, like you go back to punk rock to up that, that place to come together and meet and get to know each other. That is what people will stick around for and 
when they feel like they have some sort of fulfillment in their life because they've met people, they've, you know, they've had this place, they've been able to share this, this, and this, and taking from other people, then they will want to have a token of it, something tangible they can hold. And then you can offer that as opposed to here's a platform and here is my product. It's here is a community and you can also own a small piece of it, but you don't have to. Not everybody in the group purchases our pins. A lot of people just exist in that community and some of them you know, want a tangible piece of it. That is what took years of cultivating to be able to like get to and why I think, you know, the, the brand has been successful and has people that, you know, consistently purchase our products um, because it has brought them some form of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's some of our, some of the, the hardest things have been when people that do collect your stuff and do really like it and then for some reason can't keep in line and just, you know, have to shake the the cage so much and end up, well, you can't exist in this space in a way that is healthy, productive, and conducive to community. Maybe you shouldn't be in the space. That's that's the hardest aspect of all this, is trying to toe that line and not, you know, you want to create supporters of your product while moderating a community moderating community in a way that doesn't create enemies for you yeah it's It's real yeah yeah i mean sometimes sometimes somebody's got to get thrown out of the show you know like you never want it to happen but it's good you know every once in a while it has to happen and we we deal with situations like we've had we fire clients sometimes and we never want to do that like that's never the scenario we want but sometimes somebody's being so unreasonable and so whatever and so so challenging and that's creating kind of like issues um, that you got to deal with that. So it sounds like really like the merchandise and the product is really comes from the community instead of it leading as, you know, as like a, I don't want to say like a normal brand that, you know, you're buying t-shirts and whatever this brand, you follow the brand, people are part of the community and they want a reflection of that community. And so as the community is growing, the maybe desire for merchandise and, and representations of it has continued to grow along with that. Is that yeah, kind of that's accurate. accurate-ish? Yeah. Um, and then with you guys, um, you know, because I saw the, the pin crate trading group and you've got the, the bug box subscription and that's a, that's a new thing that you guys are doing, right? It's you got a couple of minutes. That takes a lot of time. That takes a lot of time. To try to fulfill. Um, so this is the first one. This is the first one we did. And this was, um, I got a couple of them that are already opened in the front. Yeah. It's. Um, it's. Uh, She's a big bug fan. I am a big bug fan. I, I love bugs. I'll make John look at it. <laughs> um, but oh. this was the first one that we did. Um, this is the for the monarch butterfly. So there it goes. So we got these little envelopes. And it, it's just such a process to um get everything branded and get everything made in like by a deadline because they all get packed up on the 15th of the month 
it's been a real challenge, but um, yeah, we've got like the sticker, we've got the fancy stickers, um, we've got the fact magnets. Every box comes with like a magnet. Oh, with facts about the specific bug yeah. or species yeah. or whatever. So, yep. Yeah. So these are the monarchs, and you probably recognize them if you if you saw yeah. them through and um, the, the that I, and then caterpillar. I see the proofs. I never see your actual stuff, or rarely, but I see the proofs. Yeah. <laughs> And so um, the deluxe box, and then the, you guys did the patches for us as well. Oh, yeah. I recognize that one. Yeah. Um, the uh, deluxe box that we did also comes with is two pins. And then each box is going to have a special thing. So we did um, Monarch socks. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's, it's the pattern of the caterpillar. So with, um, with doing the subscription model, I mean, I know it sounds like with you guys, the, you know, the gold group and, and I totally understand too, you know, the, the, the having a subscription model for the gold group and then doing the subscription box, um, you know, how do you stay motivated or I guess creatively, you know, constantly you're, you're coming up with new products. How do you guys stay motivated to come up with these different designs? You know, the bug box, you know, you're saying you love bugs. You've got like a theme. Does that give you something to plan for that kind of helps out? Cause I have know, more come ideas. Up I have more ideas than I have time to, to do them. Motivation is <laughs> really just not a problem with me. Sometimes I have so much to do that I get overwhelmed, but really I just, um, I'll, I'll, I'll work myself to death one day and, and not mind at all. He has to like, he has to remind me that like, we have to, you know, we should go out <laughs> today or something. Cause I'll just, I'll just work and work and work and work. And it's fun to me. Like I, I enjoy it. So um, I don't mind at all. It, the motivation isn't really a problem for me. I just, I tell John all the time, like, I wish I didn't have to sleep and I wish I didn't have to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and I would just keep making stuff. Yeah. She's a true, true artist. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, my method's a little different. It just, if it makes me laugh, I, I want to make it. <laughs> yeah. Do that. She's just, She's got endless ideas. She's very funny, very creative, and um, she gets it done. And it also helps that we've been able to, outside of curating and moderating groups, have been able to make it our job, you know, make it a full-time job. So it's not like we got to work eight hours and then come home and then do this. We have to yeah. do this for eight hours, at least. At least you know, yeah. it's it's more than that. But that's really, that's made it possible to do it to the scale that we've been able to. Yeah, I know a lot of people um, who make pins, like they don't do it full time. There's probably very few in even like the big pinning groups that we're part of on Facebook, where we kind of like check out what other people are doing and we kind of get an idea of what, you know, what the pin community is up to. Um, I think a lot of people do a, like a side hobby and a lot of people do stuff that we don't have anything to do with, which is um, like the, the, the main thing that's big in the pin world is always going to be like cartoon smoking dabs. And that's something we, we don't do. Like we don't do fan art. We don't do bootleg stuff. And I know you don't, get into any of that like why yeah exactly um but 
that's like, that's like if, if you just want to like make money hand over fist in your, in, in your spare time and, you know, you work a job, you just like basically trace Pikachu with a bong and like, yeah, no, I mean, we, you know, it is the easy sale, but you know, the one thing I can say is from my experience of, you know, we just hit our five-year anniversary of when we were making pins uh, this past week. And, you know, I, as a brand owner before I've been ripped off coming up from the band world, like just having ethics, you know, and saying like, that's, I don't think that's okay to do. Like I, I get the fan art thing. They want to do it. They're inspired. And those people really, a lot of times are making a hundred, 200 pins. It's not at the level that you might expect it's an easy sale and you might make an extra thousand dollars or whatever it is off the sale of that. But, um, all of the people that I see that are doing it full time are doing their own stuff, Yeah, you know, for the most part, I'm sure there's some people that are doing it, uh, that are doing it full time now that are like I said, just doing every cartoon character with a bong over and over <laughs> and over again, you know, and they're like, Oh, you know, Sooner or but, later, I get the, the boot is going to come down on you. Yeah. And it runs out. And like, and we do, we have um, a client that we work with who does a ton of officially licensed properties. Um, so we also respect that too, because, you know, I think one of the first big properties he got was Rick and Morty. And yeah, when you look about. at it and you go, okay, well, somebody still created that. Like, just because it turns into a pop culture thing, doesn't mean that somebody didn't spend their time. Like it could have been you guys, you know, like it could have been one of us that created that. Yeah, no, totally. I, I, I respect the, the, um, the hustle of, of going through and getting, you know, officially licensed. And I, I, I respect the smash and grab of it too. And, and what it is, you know, like if somebody just wants to, you know, throw a bong and Homer Simpson's hand, I don't, <laughs> I didn't create Homer Simpson. I, I, wish they wouldn't do it to my pin and hasn't <laughs> yet, but at the same time, you know, it's, yeah. it's the cost of uh, doing business. Yeah. Will that be the pinnacle of success though? If you see in a pin group, a pin that you designed or one of you two designed that gets morphed into a bong pin, yeah. that's then getting traded. On, people are <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll, it's going to happen at some point, you know? Um, yeah. Sexy so, uh, with the bug. <laughs> uh, the stuff, I mean, you know, the stuff that we see is just ridiculous. You know, I mean, like oh, yeah. we, we make like 60 to 80,000 pins are in production at any point in time, like constant what? something, you know, something's made and the amount of just crap that comes into, we get, you know, we're very fortunate that our website and everything seems to draw in the artistic types, you know, like we're obviously gear it towards the type of clients we're looking for, but we get a ton of garbage too. I mean, if somebody wants to send me a cat that they drew, that's got a bong and it's not uh, the cat from sailor moon or something or whatever, like I'll make it. We're totally fine with that. I I don't really care, you know, Um, artistic expression, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think with, with other stuff with, with you guys, with, with growing in the business or things that you could kind of suggest um, for somebody that's starting out, you know, because it really is, like I said, you build this community and then the business kind of came from it, you know, but was there also thinking like a point for you guys talked about with going full time, you see these pin communities where you had to kind of make that leap where you're working, 
nine to five jobs or, you know, a, a regular job, then you're doing it as a side hustle. And you say, are we, you know, are we doing this? Are we doing this full time? Was there a moment for you where it turned the into moment, the full time gig? A moment that it made financial sense. Okay. Can I we used to talk about the measurement, the measurement, the birch measurement. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> so we had um, a roommate for years. Our friend Birch um, lived in what is now my little office. And uh-huh. um, <laughs> yeah. the minute that we were making as much as. But it- we measured it in Birch's. So we, we Birch <laughs> rent was, I think, tw- about, it came out to about $20 a day. It, was, it wasn't <laughs> much. Um, came out to about $20 a day. And so we were like, okay, can we make a Birch a day? <laughs> <laughs> and just replace birch and so we did like pretty quickly when we really committed when we got him out and i had my space and we really committed to like doing the work even she though we were an working. Office, you know it wasn't like it was it was it was a roommate that we had for years and years but we also just got married and it was like okay Get let's out. live alone and it wasn't yeah. just oh man we're making enough money it was like you know, I, I'm 40 years we old. We actually gave him like, it's, like <laughs> yeah. we gave him like six months to like transition out. But almost so we, a full year. Yeah. We gave him six months and then he stayed for about a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like pulling the rug out. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we, so we, once we committed, we were like, yeah, we're making like a birch a day. And then, we, and then when we realized we were consistently having like averaging out to like three birches a day, we we're like, okay, let's just like, let's just commit to what we're doing and just do it and then and then it really started taking and off. she was she was teaching yoga she just got her like real estate license i was climbing ladders and banging nails it's just it's miserable yeah. it's not i don't hate that work but it's not it's just not what i wanted to do you know we like to make each other laugh and draw things and if we could put more time into that once it got to the point where if hey we're making enough to survive on this, let's just do it more and, and, and just, and jump and see if we can survive on it. And, and once we could, it was just, it was a no brainer to just try, you know, the key is that you never really like, you're never going to like find the time for anything is you just have to like make the time for it and do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's never that time. There's never really the perfect time for the leap because you know, a lot of times people are doing it. Like you said, you go to your day job, you come home, you work another four hours or whatever it is, packing things up. And at some point you just have to go like, screw it. Like, you know, like I'm close, you know, financially, I did a, I did a similar thing. Um, you know, my, my brand became like a full time before it was just like, okay, I'm so close to covering where, you know, like my day job that if I just put all of my time into this, what can I, you know, what can you make happen from it? Um, I think one of the things that like, I love seeing from clients that we work with is seeing them make that transition, you know, when they first come to work with working with us and like, so it's a side thing and they're selling some stuff here and there. And then all of a sudden a year and a half goes by yeah. and you're like, Oh, you're ordering all the time now, you know, like, <laughs> are you doing this full time? Like, uh, hell yeah. I am. You know, it's just like, Coming up, you know, just being like a DIY, it's funny, like I'm a DIY person to my core, um, even though, of course, you know, now we're, we're helping artists instead, you know, we're trying to help facilitate manufacturing, even though like my first business, I was hand pouring resin for belt buckles, you know, for, uh, 
for bands and, and whatever weird stuff. And I'm like, do it yourself. And we know tons of people that work direct. And I'm like, do, Hey, do your thing. Like, if you got this, go for it, you know, like uh, supportive of that. If you understand like what you're doing. Uh, and then sometimes we get people come back because their volume gets too high or they're like, I can't, <laughs> I don't want to deal with this anymore. Um, but like you guys are still carting most of the pins, right? I so said, you're like hand, you said you're hand stamping. I think that's num- Yeah. Everything's numbered. And I don't, outside of like a fancy printer, I don't see that changing anytime. It's just, it's like, it's really part of the process. Anything that numbers gets hand stamped. It just, they just love it so much. It's like, that missing know. element that, 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 that is really, I think critical. If you move, if you removed it, I don't think it would be as, um, as special. I don't know. Yeah, it, it does we, take a lot of work though. We do have stuff in like, so all the bug box pins are unnumbered and um, we do always have like a few things, a few pins in our store that are unnumbered just so like, just so that our store isn't empty, empty, you know, right. stuff yeah. in there because when we were doing all numbered stuff, we would have just like no pin. <laughs> like, <nothing. laughs> You're like, Hey, everything's sold out. Well, exactly. it does help create like, demand though a little bit, you know? Yeah, but if if somebody's just browsing, you know, they're just coming from Google or whatever, there's just, just nothing, to, nothing to look at, nothing to buy for them. So they just go somewhere else. They just move on. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to, so you've got a couple of evergreens. I think you guys, it's the infinity. Yeah, yeah the infinity. right? Yeah, exactly. So we, we have started working with a, a, other artists. Um, we've dealt with a bunch of first time artists and now we have another larger collaboration coming up. Um, But I'd like, I'd like to do more stuff like that, collaborate with people, be it limited or unlimited, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but like, you know, it's, it's great to use what we've created to help springboard other people's um, designs and hopefully careers. Yeah. So we just, um, I know you guys have done stuff. I don't know if you, if you have so much stuff that comes through, but, um, Vlad hat is our friend, Emily. Um, she's one of the moderators in give me your money and in the Roman house groups. And she, um, did a, she did a pin, a couple of pins with us. She did the pin and she did those Krampus Christmas ornaments. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then after that, like he just kind of decided to keep doing pins and um, putting them up in her Etsy. And yeah. And I hope that just keeps growing for them. Yeah. It's been cool to watch, but. Well, that's awesome. So with, so what's next for you guys? I mean, you've got the, the app is, is happening next, right? When do you, when do you expect that to be soft it, launching or you're coming out? Close to a soft it, launch. It's, it, it, it has launched to a small group of people. We have about a hundred people. Um, okay. So we're, you know, any day now we'll, expand a little bigger than that. Um, hopefully travel starts again. One of the bigger elements of what we were doing is, is hosting meetups. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our pin fans and a lot of the give me your money fans, a lot of crossover there. And that was really great. We've done several of them and hopefully we can get back into doing that. And then, you know, just more stuff like hopefully like the bag and working with other artists and, and just, you know, seeing what else you can do just that fits what we're doing, but pushes the, uh, the barriers of a little further. Yeah. We're also looking in, in, I would put on top of that things that we're looking into, like 
long-term, but this year, hopefully, um, like licensing some actual like fan work for stuff that I enjoy or he enjoys and um, getting into retail, just with, especially like little record shops because so much of uh, what we do and what he does, especially like those little turntable pins, yeah, um, they cross over uh, with like music. And um, I think it would be cool to bring it kind of full circle and get right back into like music with- Maybe Roving House the Flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I really appreciate you guys taking the time and chatting with me. Like I said, I'm always impressed by just like the work ethic and the community building that you guys have done. I think it's just so impressive. And, you know, it, it's funny. I, I didn't know anything about your background with kind of coming up from punk and hardcore and, and that sort of scene. And, you know, for me, that just makes so much sense, you know, in a way. Like when now when I like look at what you guys are doing through a little bit of that filter, it just everything kind of falls so into place uh, for seeing it. But I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time and I'm excited for everybody to see what you guys come up with next. And where can everybody find you? Like where are the best places to find you online, social media, Facebook? We started our website, uh, www.rovinghouse.com. Um, it's also the Roving House. I think we have both. Both work. Yeah. Um, Instagram, Facebook, the, uh, the roving house. We, we have well, you know we're, we're we, all, we got all the bases allowed. covered yeah the if you ro- search the roving house into google <laughs> yeah, you'll find us. at this point we're the snail with the bindle yes yeah. with the bindle follow the snail <laughs> but thank you so much for having us yeah. and for getting it all done yeah you know thank you. You, you you've really been um a great asset and we consider you part of the team absolutely couldn't do it without alchemy awesome i really appreciate you guys thank you so much Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Creative Labs by Alchemy with your host, Greg Kerr. Are you interested in making enamel pins, washi tape, patches, acrylic keychains, and more? Get in touch and create with us at alchemymerch.com.